0: Hello, Maxine, today I'm Ryan and Rob. Hi, Maxine here, Ryan and Rob's Welsh translator. The King Rando and Podlidyadne with Fearless in Devotion. You're listening to Fearless in Devotion, a new podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem,
1: marching like a mighty army Wrexham.
2: Hello, cross on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by the Fat restaurant and bar. Sometimes think back to a time before the Fat existed, doesn't, doesn't really bear thinking about it, does it, Andy?
0: Um, I I define my life in two separate, separate stages now, before Fat Bore and after Fat Bore, and that's, yeah, how, yeah. that's how I live my life.
2: Yeah, uh, B, F, B, and A, no, F, B. Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, don't we all? And everyone in Wrexham and Mould, certainly. Uh, anyway, today we've got uh, two guests lined up for you, a bumper edition. First up, we've got Sean Holmes, and then we'll be getting a special season preview with Adam Virgo, BT Sports Adam Virgo. Uh, and uh, we finally get an answer from him about why he hates Wrexham. Uh, but first up, uh, Tim, you were back in the racecourse yesterday saturday tell us how it felt
1: yeah it was really really good to be honest it was the the same but different um yeah didn't feel like i'd been away even though it's been 18 probably 19 months even for me uh yeah really weird but great to be back nice to see so many familiar faces and it's just like slipping back into the old routine really um but yeah great 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 stuff great fun and ultimately capped off with a decent performance and a, and a nice result to boot.
2: Liam, you were there too. What did you make of what you saw on the pitch?
3: Um, it was, generally speaking, it was pretty impressive. I mean, I think everyone's probably seen Mullins' first goal now, just stroke a class, just picked his spot, got it in the top right bin, reminded me a bit. As people have made various comparisons, but I think the Trundle one was definitely valid for that goal. Um, unlucky not to get two of a really good diving header second half, um, I think most most of the plus points were attacking, really. McLinden looked pretty decent, um, and Jake Hyde looks like he's got a bit about him as well. Um, it, it's it's quite clear still that we need extra faces. We keep saying it, but extra faces, midfield, and that centre-back, which I've just listened to an interview with Parkinson. He says... He he clearly recognises that, but says he's waiting for the right ones. So fingers crossed on that front.
2: Yeah, it's been a few weeks now since a decent sign-in, Andy. Uh, I mean, Furman's obviously not been offered a contract. You'd have thought from that that we have got something on the horizon. Have you got any? uh, You got your nose to the ground, Andy? Can you tell us anything? I
0: think it's quite obvious we need an experienced offensive mid, uh, especially if it's the formation he wants to play is 4-3-3. I think we're probably a centre-half short as well. So um, I'd be looking that we'd at least get two or three in, probably, in in those areas. Uh, Now, I know that people have been talking about Dave Jones because he can play midfield and and he can play at the back, but I I, I do wonder about that. He couldn't play at the back yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) To me, Dave Jones looks like a cut-price option, and I'm really asking, are we still in the market for cut-price options? I don't know what everyone else thinks.
2: I'm not sure Dave Jones would come in as the defensive midfielder, would he? Mainly because of his age, it's a long old season in the national league. I can't see him starting, you know, much more than 25, 30 games. Surely, I mean, I think the 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 impression has been that he'd be a bit more of a Glenn Little type signing when he sort of comes on and helps see out the game, and also, you know, his his experience uh, rubs off on a lot of a lot of players. We, we you know, I think we definitely need we need a Mullin type signing for centre-mid, don't we?
0: No, no, fair enough. But do you know what I mean by, like, he seems like a cut-price signing? And I, I I, just thought those days were past us where we, we, we signed someone who can play at the back and can play in midfield. You know, someone to, to someone that age who maybe not be as, as expensive to, to cover two positions. Um, I do sort of... I do really think that we need that marquee centre-mid signings, and I think we've needed it for the last five years.
1: It feels more cut-price off the back of Mullen and Hayden, doesn't it? I know that's like not an unfair comparison, but yeah, it feels like, can we do better? Should we be doing better? Yeah, definitely. Right, well, when
0: Dave Jones wins Player of the Season, if he wants to shove that trophy up my ass, I'm more than happy for him to do it. That's the Fearless and Devotion forfeit right there. Can I ask about the Fearless and Devotion uh, Devotion forfeit? Devotion? Because the season what? is upon us. The what? <laughs> the Fearless and Devotion
2: forfeit, Liam. Don't the thing remember that you are
3: that. doing. No, no. Definitely, yeah, don't remember that.
2: all, all to be arranged. First home game of the season, I think. So you've had a week's stay of execution. Uh, no, two weeks. No, a week. Yeah, a week and a half.
3: They'll forget um, by them. No,
1: nah, no, nah, they, they won't remember.
2: No, no, yeah,
1: we'll... I'm so upset about the prospect of this forfeit that he tried to wipe himself out in front of a truck the other day. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've, been, is,
3: um, I've got a really, really bad back. I've been taken out by a truck, and you now want me to wear a Chester shit. I mean, oh, come on. Sad times.
2: Details will be finalized in the next yeah. week. Uh, before we get on to our guests, though, exciting week in Fearless in Devotion Towers. As uh, the fans, these have started being, mailing out, being mailed out, haven't they? Um, <laughs> thank you very much to everyone who's bought one so far. Liam, picking you at random, tell us what we can expect in the fanzine
3: just uh just a really high quality top-notch production really right from the the mm. paper we use to lovingly hand make the pages and put them together mm. um but now the content's uh, really decent this month i think not blowing our own trumpets but i think i've seen a few people say that they think it's probably better than the first edition which i thought was decent for a first try we got interviews with the likes of brian flynn um i'll give a shout out for my piece on uh, the future of the wst it might not be the most sexy but i think it's um an important topic we've let uh, we've let reese write in Welsh. he could be slagging us off we don't know but um <laughs> yeah we've let him do a welsh page as well lots to lots
2: to look forward to thank you very much for those of you who have ordered it if you haven't Get on with it. Fearless.wales. Don't miss out before they sell out like they did last time. Uh, so please log on to Fearless.wales. It's just two clicks away. £4, which mm-hmm. as mentioned on the cover is £96 cheaper than a pass to the cent. Um, so yeah, without much further ado, let's move on to our first guest, uh, which is Sean Holmes. Uh, Andy and Tim caught up with him earlier in the week, and he was a really, really good guest. Great value. So we hope you enjoy this chat
0: So welcome to Sean the Hammer Holmes. The what hammer hell? you say. <laughs> yeah, well we called in the hammer for a bit in two thousand and three. Um, you smashed that goal in against Tramia and actually it actually cost a uh, poor fellow his job. But mm-hmm. do you remember after that goal, we started shouting to you every time, shoot, shoot, yeah. shoot. And then I think it took us about three games for us to stop saying, don't shoot, don't shoot, <laughs> don't shoot. So did you always, always have that in your locker or was it... And we did just didn't see it enough, or was it a bit of a fluke?
4: I felt that I've always had that type of goal in my locker. To be honest, uh, I kind of had a knack for striking from distance. Mm. Um, maybe I didn't get far off the pitch up the up the other end. <laughs> you no, know, I felt like like I had a ball, and anything in or around that area, I'd always, I always fancy myself to have a to have a crack at it. You know, so um, yeah. I mean, that game especially, you came on
0: after, I think it was about five minutes, it must, must have been yeah. about your second or third touch and I, I saw it again today, it was on it was, I was. saw a Granada reports. you picked it up, you went past about one or two, and I'm yeah. thinking pass, pass on, pass, pass pass, no absolutely smashed the arse out of it uh, Yeah,
4: I remember the goal quite well, I think we were we had just equalised, Jonah just equalised, and I came on sub and I think the gaffer, that season kind of only brought me on probably when we were winning games, probably more of offensive to try and maybe see games out. But I think Mm -hmm. he kind of knew I was capable of maybe nicking one as well. But, um, yeah, I just, I remember coming in in off the left, and I just kind of, it just parted. As I kind of came in off one lad, one player, I just moved forward and I just, it was just like a pardon. I don't think they expected yeah, yeah, yeah. it there. And I just got out of my feet and, and just and just went for it. can um, yeah. shall we play it? I've got it ready to go. Absolutely. But the footage is, like, is
0: absolutely rubbish, isn't it? The footage is rubbish. Yeah, you know, I know what you mean by that. I saw it today and I was oh, like, trying yeah. to make it out.
1: It's pixelated. However, even if you just scored that one today, I think the yeah. camera's Still would have struggled to follow the, the, the flight of the ball because it was hit with such velocity Yeah. because I remember being behind it as like what has he done what has he done and it just, yeah. <laughs> just went straight it, it didn't move it just went where, straight where we strike a ball I feel like you don't feel
4: the weight of the ball when you hit it so cleanly it's, it's like one of those flyaways you know you're on the beach and you yeah you yeah yeah there. it's almost like, almost like that I had it that cleanly um, did you know did you know as soon as you hit it yeah. Straight away. It it didn't dip or nothing. There was no, it just went from the ground straight. And, um,
1: yeah, just delighted. delighted. Let's have a little listen. Okay.
0: On substitute, Sean Holmes had clearly found his bearings. And that impressive
5: entrance marked the exit for Ray Mathias. (laughs) On Saturday evening, the Premier boss was sacked along with his assistant, Kelly Mohanlon.
1: There you go. You got them sacked as well. Wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> do, you, do you still? Can you still visualize that as clear as day? Because even though it's what eighteen years ago, I think at the top of my head, um, I can still. Because I think we got thumped by Tranmere the season before. I think it was five nil or something like that. So I think, go,
0: yeah, I think that was the last, the last goal. Uh, sorry, the last game that saw Brian pulling off.
1: It was yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: I remember. That. I remember the whole day well. Um, yeah, I remember the goals well. The footage helps too. Um, to be fair, at the time, I knew it was a good goal, and I knew how important it was for the local derby, and it was important to the fans. But um, it's actually only over the last few years with social media and Twitter and whatever, it's become bit of a it's become bit of a thing again.
3: Mm.
4: Each year, people are talking about the goal, and that which is always nice because. I never scored a lot as a player. Very um, <laughs> actually. but uh, yeah, it's always it was um, it's always nice to be remembered by it. You know, did you know your nickname was the hammer, even if only for a little bit? Oh uh, yeah, I was aware of that. Um, yes, yeah, to be fair, very few goals that I did score in my career were all maybe not as good, but they were all from distance. They were all, you know, free kicks. All Mm. kind of long range shots. So, yeah, um, I was aware of the the hammer.
1: (laughs) Just tell us a little bit about afterwards. Did you and the lads have a few drinks to celebrate? Because I'm pretty sure most of the fans did get one over your your local rivals doing it in in that manner. yeah, just can you remember much from, from from any celebrations afterwards, or was it all I remember
4: getting on the bus? I remember the gaffer, Smith Dennis, was just he just gave me that kind of nod, as if they say, you know, well done, lad. And you know, I, you know, I was bored at the time because I was in and out of the team, more out. Um, so I was I was bored at that end, you know. I just felt I needed that, and I remember at my girlfriend was... No, I my mean wife, she was actually over for the weekend. Yeah. For that game. And she travelled to the game with a couple of the other players as misses and that. And she was sat directly behind the goal as well, right that top corner. And she said she actually ducked <laughs> out of this. Oh, so uh, directly behind it on the stand along with the, the the couple of the other players as partners and that. So um Oh, that was nice. Yeah, that was nice.
0: It's not a glowing uh rendition that really, is it? If she does.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, okay. take
0: us take us back. So um obviously you're at Man City. Um you're under Kevin Keegan, I think, is the manager at that point. Could you see no real way to the first team at that point?
4: No, nah. well, Joe Roy was just actually. Lee, well, even Kevin Keegan just literally took over as I kind of departed. Um, I've been playing the reserve for three or four years regularly, and I just felt, you know, it was time. Um, I actually had a, an, I, I could have went to Chester actually on loan when I was younger. Whoa. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, I turned it down. <laughs> um a few years prior to, it um, and I just played. I just felt it wasn't right for me, and I just. Regular in reserves, and I just felt the time I was right. Um, I, got a, I was away with Northern Ireland at the time, and I got a phone call. It was Joe Roy at the time, it says Brian Flynn, Wrexham. Um, I've come in, contacted us. What do you think? You'll play. You'll go and you'll play, and you'll get you know you'll get to dip your toe in senior football. And it was close as well from Manchester. And I thought, yeah, why not go for it. So.
0: We've just done a a, a new fanzine and and, um, we've talked to Brian Flynn about this. And Brian Flynn, he said he's a big pest when it comes to getting a player he wants. So he will see someone on a youth game and think, right, I want this fella. And then he will say to the manager, right, can I have him? Can I have him? I'll pay half up front. I want this guy. Mm. This guy will help me. And eventually they'll give in. And it might be Joe Royal. It might be Sir Alex Ferguson, actually. He's probably done it to the same. So did you? when, when, when was the first contact you had with Brian Flynn? So you say that Joe Royal said that there was interest. Did Flynn phone you after saying, right, we want you. This is what, what's going to happen. Take us through the autonomy of that sort of move.
4: It happened very quickly. I was away with the, the Northern Ireland team. Then I got... Phone call from City from Joe Roy, they say um, about the possibility of the move. Uh, then I had a phone call with Brian on the phone. And it just happened really quick. I ended up on the way home back to Manchester. Mm. I, ph- I phoned me, you fancy meeting me at the airport. Uh, and I said, yes, sure, so no worries. worry. So we met at the airport. We had a good long chat for about an hour or so. Then it was one of those things where, you know, go, go home, have a think about it and you know we'll be in touch get back to me let me know what you think so I spoke to Brian at the airport and you know I liked everything about him you know
0: um did you like the fact he meant he came out to an airport to meet you and would speak an hour in departures having a coffee yeah
4: I knew he came out of his way we had a good chat um and I spoke about Joey Jones as well I said he'd watch me on a few occasions well Brian's watched me a few occasions and he says to be honest he says Sean um, Joey Jones has watched a, a few more games than I have, and he's been very impressed. Um, then I remember go I remember speaking to my father and going, um, oh, "Joey Jones." And obviously, my dad, you know, being that older generation, huge fan of Joey Jones as well, legend Joey Jones, and I, that was a, a big, a big factor as well, knowing that Joey, you know, the career he's had and you know, fullback as well. I just thought you know, wow, and I just like everything about the meeting, and it just mm. fitted me at the time, being close, the level, I thought, you know what, I can go here and play, and like I said, I took my toe in senior football, and try and crack on a bit, and, and when that was that I remember then, I think I, I spoke to Brian, maybe a couple of cases on the phone, then after that, then it just happened quick, I says, yes, no worries, let's go, and off I went. So it was a, a two-year deal. Can
0: I ask one thing? When you moved over, did you move to the house, which is I think something you might know about? But it was a house in Rostatham where they used to uh, house some of the players who joined that that year.
4: And I was aware of the house, but no, I didn't stay in the house. I stayed in a hotel close to the house.
1: Right, that'll right, be yeah, one on the roundabout. The yeah, back the the name, but... A
0: hotel and a roundabout. Wow.
1: Well <laughs> it was a to to Sean. How was that was it. And uh the going to travel lodge. I st- uh,
4: exactly. <laughs> I stayed there for a few for quite a while actually. Stayed there, drove down, stayed there until I got settled. Then that was grand, you know what I mean? It was perfect for me. Then I just I gradually I moved and once I got done with the lads in the, the area, I moved and moved into the town, yeah. And, All right. So, so
0: so did you get your sort of own sort of digs or did you just sort of rent a flat or something? I, just,
4: you know, you... um, yeah. I became, I became with mean, probably all the lads, but I became probably closest to Stephen Thomas. Also. And he, let, he rented an apartment in town and he said there'd probably be some available. So I remember getting in touch with him and got in touch there. So we were actually neighbours. I <laughs> no we neighbours, you know what I mean? So um, loved it, loved it good
0: that's the next thing I was going to ask so you've moved in like you've moved into a new club you've obviously come from probably youth football to be honest now now you're in men's football now you've 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 got to come into a changing room where you've got the likes of I would say probably Darren Ferguson I think back there 2001 you probably got um you've obviously said Steve Thomas but you've got like uh Brian Carey's another one um I don't know if Dibble was there at that time, but you've got you've got men in that in that in that changing room. Was was it hard at all? I mean, how did you fit in on your first day? And was there any sort of people supporting you? And there's was there people who were maybe giving you not a bit of stick, but maybe just questioning you a little bit about who you are and what, what you can add to this team?
4: No, I think I mean I came from a dressing room. But... Manchester City, obviously I played in the team but i have been playing in the reserves for two or three years and I, I was at a time where Manchester City where the reserve team was really strong Manchester City came down the divisions and they had a huge squad so the reserve team was full of senior players, there was times there when I was playing and I was the only young lad you know, was for a long time in the team so it was just to that um, personalities as such in the dressing rooms Um, but no, at Wrexham Similar thing i mean i I'd walked into lads who'd played senior football and um but they were great there was never any issues um got on well obviously with big bry as well big Brian Carey being an Irish man. so um there was you know we struck a bit of a bond there and all the lads were great there was never never any issues I just got in and got on with it and you know, it was a great chance you know? it was a really 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 good just
0: so you sort of came in uh, probably about the tail end of the uh, Flynn era, and obviously he's he's still a Wrexham legend. Yeah. What he did at the club, and you know his eye for a player, and what he brought in, and you know ov- obviously the stuff that we've done on you know on the FA Cup was is still sort of sort of well known. I think when you came in, I think that team or the team he'd created was a little bit fragmented a little bit obviously they got they got relegated I think the season mm-hmm. after could you sort of see see that in the dressing room and think oh, well I'm not really sure about this
4: it was such an anti sort of an anti-climax of a season it was my first year I was loving playing senior football and having a crack at it but we really struggled after we were relegated so it was kind of an up and down season for Me, I was loved playing I thought I was playing quite well yeah, yeah. that was just, uh, you know, the results. Just it was, and then obviously Brian leaving as well. It was just, um, it was, it was very strange, very surreal. Yeah, you know, we'd be playing, finally playing senior football, and playing quite well, and obviously for the team to be relegated, it was, um yeah, it was tough. Mm. Oh. Bit of an,
0: yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, bit yeah. of an anticlimax especially mm. to get that sort of... I, mean, I
4: think you played very regularly that season, didn't you? I played regularly the first year and the start of the second season. Yeah, I racked up, you know, I played regularly. Probably played regularly until Dennis Smith came in, to be totally honest, then mm. uh, gradually. So, so
0: so, sort of t- take us through when, when Smith sort of did come in. I mean, I always thought that, that Dennis Smith came in and saw the players he had available and maybe molded a system that he thought might work. And maybe that might've meant Carlos Edwards as a right wing back. He might've thought, I've got four or five good center backs here. I could probably mold three of them into a good unit. Did you sort of feel, hang on, this isn't really going to work for me because I'm a left back, but he really wants a left wing back, someone who could really fly up and down. And maybe that's not me. Did you sort of, Think early
4: on. I don't really know. I think. Well, that's exactly. That was exactly it. I think early on I was playing under Dennis when he first arrived. I was playing, you know, but then I think he went from the back four to be at the back and the wing backs. And I think the wing, the wing back. I just, I just could never wrap my head when playing wing back. Just, mm. just didn't didn't see myself as a wing back. I saw myself as a left back and four. You know, I saw myself as you know quite an attacking fullback, but defending was the thing, and I think that was yeah. slowly the the end of me. kind of, to be honest, you know, we had he played, a preferred Paul Edwards, mm. who great lad. You know, I got on really well with Paul. Um, you know, I, I thought myself probably technically a better player than Paul, a better defender than Paul, but. uh, I mean, he he got up and down the line, you know. It got yeah. to the back he got crosses and he'd done it for ninety minutes steady, you know. And you know, um, and then I just preferred that, you know. He just preferred Ed and Paul over and that was just I was you know. So I just struggled with it. I just struggled with the wing back. I just you know, I just struggled to wrap my head on it, you know.
0: Yeah, I I can sort of remember at that time when I always thought he brought you on to tie up a game. Yeah. Like we might be one or two ahead and I'll bring Sean Sean on to sort of just 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 make this a bit more solid, if you know what I mean. And so I think that's why, yeah, I think that's why you've
4: probably played a lot more substitute times that season. Yeah, I think from probably my second season halfway through then I I find myself, you know, out of the team. When Eddie was suspended or didn't play or injured, I was in or maybe the odd game. Maybe they might want to go away from home. Maybe he would have started me. Or like he says, mm. in games where if we had not a lead or we felt like we needed to tighten things up, he would bring me on. No, um, mm. mm. so and to be fair, if I think if we had a choose to play a four-four-two or whatever, I think I could have played with Paul Edwards. No, yeah. problem. It would have been great to play with because it was it was quick, it was fast, and you can just give him the ball, you know. Um, but he just preferred to play three centre-backs and um, I miss football on it, it's just it's the way it goes and disappointing mm. to be honest, it was, you know, because you know, there was a time there, I loved the town, I loved the club and I just, there were, was a time there, I just thought I could see myself playing here for uh, a good number number of years, it was going well and actually just football on it just changed quickly and, you know,
0: yeah, I mean, what what we say about someone who like, you could see yourself playing there for for a while. I mean, you took over from a lad called uh, Phil Hardy, mm-hmm. who was a Wrexham stalwart for a good 10, 15 years. Who'd done he'd done what what you'd been brought in to do, yeah. which is basically be the defender. Let let Carl Connolly or let whoever else ahead do their stuff. You make sure you do your job, which is defending and weighing, with, you know, weighing attacking-wise whenever you can, but that's not really your job. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I sort of feel that when Brian left and Dennis wanted to go the new way, that probably wasn't great for you. But, but what, what sort of – did you sort of feel the differences between Brian and Dennis were? Uh,
4: you know, well, when Brian signed me, it was – you know, you, you have that thing of being his signing – which is always helpful. Yeah. Cool. so you know that he's obviously wants to play, and he's brought you in to play. You know, I, I was just, you know, I, I love my time at the club, but I, in a wee way, then I was just, I was just, you know, sad as well because I spent three years there, and I just, I knew my contract wasn't being renewed, and I just, you know, I just, it was like I just disappeared at the back, the back door, um, mm-hmm. and just like that, you know, without a bye, and just. Uh, so I think back to that towards the end I, you know, it was a bit sad but um, I mean that's football you,
0: yeah I know I suppose but you know still 83 games for Rex and I think 83-84 um, still you know still a promotion season still two FAW Premier Cups yeah. I mean it, it it's not a it's not a bad career to have for, for a club really is it yeah
4: um, that's well. That's okay. And I think about the promotion season as well. That's you know I think about that season. And that was a great season, a cracking season. And not every player can say they got promoted, you know. So it's, that was definitely a big highlight of my career.
0: So there's a couple of things we do uh, yeah. on this podcast. One yeah. is we call it the Fearless and Devotion moment. So it's it's the moment where you felt the most pride wearing a Wrexham shirt. So
4: what do you think that would be, Sean? Um, probably the the promotion season. Probably the, the promotion season and the game and the sorry, the tram here, the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Go yeah. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of
0: people associate you with, with that sort of strike, really, yeah. to be honest. And, mm. and I, I just think it's the last time we've been promoted. <laughs> I mean, we, we, can't really, we can't really lose, lose yeah. sight of that. Um, so, I mean, it would be quite nice to take you through sort of some of the players who were playing in that promotion season and what you can remember about them. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to start with quite a big character and his name is Andy Dibble.
4: Yep, Andy was well, ah, he was a great goalkeeper. And Andy was at City, obviously, just before my time. Yeah. So I was aware of Andy Devil Yeah. Manchester City. And, yeah, funny, big, funny, gentle, giant character. Yeah. Like this. I can always remember
0: him walking around the training ground in a towel, and that was just it. Ah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't even a good towel. And he wasn't ah. leaving much to the imagination, to be honest. Uh, I mean, the next sort of person I would talk about, Jim Whitley, who's quite a... Did you ever meet, do you ever come across him at
4: uh, Man City? Was he, he just left before you? No, I knew, I knew Jim before. That was the thing I knew Jim before. when I, I was at Wrexham and I, knew, I heard Jim signing. I was, so I was delighted with that because I played the reserve with Jim and his right. brother, Jeff, and we played with the Northern Ireland setup up as well. So Jim yeah, was yeah. a as well. Um, so I was delighted to see Jim, and i still be in contact with Jim as well, and some of the lads and I, so, um, yeah, i was delighted to see Jim, come to the What club. do you
0: think about Jim's career now? Apparently he's like a, a singer, a dancer, an artist, he's a man of all yeah. trades, isn't he? A
4: man of many talents, isn't he? Artists. Yeah. Um, and he's doing a bit Did of Did you know that at that time, or was that snuck up on you? Uh, no, I knew he sang, I think I, at the time, I knew he sang, um, Trying to think that I knew that he that he draw back then, but um, I knew he had done the entertainment side of things. Um, yeah, aye, yeah. man of many talents. To be fair, yeah, I haven't got. Don't be asking me because I haven't done any of that. <laughs> so, so what? Take us through the. Uh, right, they're called the
0: Trinidadians, but we know them as the Flinidadians. So it's, it's, they're, they're three sort of disparate characters that Brian Flynn brought to this club. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be honest, they were all amazingly talented in their own way. I mean, I, it, took, it took Dennis Lawrence a bit to, to, to get going. Mm-hmm. So I think probably the same with Carlos as well. Could you see their talent straight away and how, how
4: different they were to the rest of the squad? Definitely a lot different. Um, and like you said, they were really... Good, good players in their own right. I mean, Carlos would only have a great career. They all had good careers, to be fair. But especially Carlos, he was a top, top player. Um, but they were great lads. They all lived locally as well. So yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and they stuck together, as you could see, and really, really nice lads, brilliant lads. And I, I got on really well. The Caribbean lads straight away. I had it on hmm. for those boys straight away. Um. And all very talented in their own, their own way, in their own positions. Did you think that Hector probably didn't
0: do as much as he probably should have just because there were some times that Hector came on and you thought, wow, who have we got here? This, this guy's absolutely brilliant. And then there's other times it looked like he couldn't even control the ball. And it, it was <laughs> – was he like that on training or was he just, was he just dynamite
4: all the time or – I think he was probably like that in training there's times he was just unplayable he really was quick feet and quick and just direct and there's times then he's probably he's probably just has that Caribbean you know what I mean easy oz go about him sometimes and just felt like times oh I fancy this and times maybe I don't and um, yeah but uh, talented football very talented football Tell us about Darren Ferguson. Fergie was um top top player. He was, mm. he was probably one of the best players I played with. Um got really well with Fergie. Did you ever hear about the fight I Fergie? No, I don't think
1: it ever escaped that, though, at least tell us all oh now we we are in (laughs) here we go i'll just get a can out the fridge carry on
0: (laughs) you've driven tim to drink again he hasn't (laughs) drank in five years
4: (laughs) i've never actually spoken about this i I thought it might be a bit of a a decent talking point um i think we tried our best i don't know but actually we tried our best to, to keep it from the media at the time well, well, you, uh, you Dave uh, Levitt
0: would have got this if he'd have heard wind about it. Don't worry about him.
4: Ah, uh, well, I think there, it did sneak out, but um, they tried their best to keep it. Um, it was a proper, proper ding dong <laughs> midweek training scrap. <laughs> um, we were, we were training, and then I think we were over in the far Pitzer collier's Park. I think it was about a five aside or a bit of possession or whatever, and I've sort of shouldered Fergie and kind of bump, bundled him over. Um, Probably a free kick, definitely a free kick. But he's just got up and swung. Just Oh, wow. Out of nowhere, he's just swung at me and I've kind of just, i just seen him step in towards me so I've kind of just looked at him and went, here we go. And I've just kind of ducked and as fist I just kind of grazed from my forehead through and I was like taken back and I went, Oh, it's it's on and I've just um <laughs> it's, it's on. Off, <laughs> uh bub off. I have actually bit off, wet jacket off, so it was on my t shirt and Wow, was, you were you were getting into it then. Yeah, I knew the I knew the bub and the wet jacket was gonna hamper me, so <laughs> <laughs> and Darren said well Matavers anyway, we've gone at it for We must have gone. And I remember Tron's going, the lads have kind of all gathered on, and Tron's just gone, no, just let them go. So we've proper, it's been a proper two, three minutes. We've, you know, we've had a good go to each other because we were at the front of Coriast Park, and the gaffer could barely walk, never mind run. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
4: yeah. And then Rooster was there. So by the time that they've copped on... And seeing that there's something happening on the far pitch, Roosters started legging it across. But yeah. well, by that time it's been two or three minutes on. And the two of us have gone at it. So Who uh, won? Well, Darren and a big big black guy in the next day, <laughs> so, Sounds sounds like you won, Sean. Well, I think I actually what I done was I actually pulled his bubble over his head so he couldn't see, and i just started. Oh, what, a, <laughs> what! What a <laughs>
1: secondary school move.
4: Thirty <laughs> trick. But, uh, uh, you know what? I, I, it did happen, and after I was gutted afterwards because me and me and Darren got on really well. We had the whole Irish Scottish thing going on, and. You know, mm. we had a great band there. Home, a bit of a Rangers fan, and me being a Celtic fan, and we had, we got on really well. And I was, I was God knows, it was never never mind thing that fighting. And I remember going home back to the flat, and just so far, just got it, got it with myself that it happened as you do.
0: Cause it's, well, I mean, it sounds like it wasn't your fault, and it sounds like it's just the sort of stuff that happens on the training ground. I mean. We all right after. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine either of you
4: having a really grudge about it. No, I mean, at the time, I probably, I mean, I, I, I bowled him over probably, you know, a bit more since training, but, he, you know, and it's just kicked off for whatever. But um, I was gutted. Like I said, I was gutted. I went home, gutted. I remember phone with my old man, you know, tell him, fucking blah, blah, blah. Scrappy and again, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then my phone rang then, darn Fergie rang me. He just says, listen, mate, he says, uh, look, it happens But in the country from what it's just time to time, shit happens. It's just one of the things, you know, as you're you know, I see he's a good mate and look, gone, gone, kind of thing. See you in the morning. Um and that was it. It was good to get the chat. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I mean it's good that that Fergie would like make that call and just make yep. sure that everything was all right. And mm. it's the sort of thing that in a promotion season you need, don't you? You need oh. someone to have that sort of, to oh. know that that could disrupt a, a squad when you don't really need it.
4: Didn't need it. And, you know, obviously, I mean, uh, probably in my time, a bit of frustration spawned out over me probably not being in the team at the time. Mm. And darn, you know, Verdi being the leader and being a, you know, Half player at the time, and um, the phone call was nice, yeah, it was really nice because it, it was it was Don Dursted. I saw him in the morning, we shook hands, and um, it was never really spoken about then, you know. What I mean? so it was well, until now, Sean. Now you just brought it
0: bloody back up again, yeah.
4: yeah. Well, why not? It's well, I <laughs> 18 years ago, so that's, you know, why not? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I said the tram here ago, there's not really well, there much to talk about, so I thought I would give you that. <laughs> well fair play you've given us a little bit there
1: mate this is the perfect way in to send um, Peterborough press guys an invite so can you get Darren on just to level up this, um, this yeah. Sean Holmes allegation that you give him a black eye and he won the fight so that's our way into <laughs>
0: fair enough before, before we do that let's talk about the two frat men that season so we would say that probably I know there was a, there was probably about four or five that who could have played it, but Trundle and Morell I think were different gravy that season, weren't they? Did you see Did you see early doors that this could be a partnership, and did you see it actually the, the season before and think, hang on, if you drop those guys down the league, mm. this could be carnage?
4: Yeah, well straight away I could see, you know, Trums. With a strikey, a, you know, straight away, you know, a talent, a body on the ball. He just had that personality and you just knew he was going to be a player. And he was completely different. Um but two in the yard were perfect. They really complimented each other. Um you know, Trons is trickery, hold will play. Uh what a player he was and Andy's way on he was different he played on the shoulder he liked run running behind never give. it was a, just a pain in the arse and mm. anything in the box he was it was on it and that's you know when we wait, like, talk about the wing backs Paul getting the byline Carlos getting the byline and whooping on balls was just um it's a perfect combination yeah who did you think
0: might go further from that season,
4: ah, oh, definitely Truns. Truns. Mm. He had a, he had it all for me, you know. Strong. He had everything. Strong, powerful. Could strike from distance, you know. He a uh, top player. Funny, 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 like funny guy. Top player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine, yeah,
0: I can only remember being in and around that, that squad in just yeah. in just a very minor way because that was like my first job in journalism. and just sort of like coming down every now and again to to like to like interview you guys. But there seemed to be like a real good team spirit, but there seemed to be really brilliant players there who really sort of gelled. Mm-hmm. And I think the the person that really topped it off for me was Scott Green, just just yeah. to get that team. Over the line. How did you How did you find him?
4: Uh, I kind of knew York Scott as well from just playing and around the area for years. Um, and our good player, good. I mean, that uh, that team had it all for me. It had it had talent, you know, with boys with great ability, and like Isaac Carlos and Truns and and the experience, yeah, and a good player, and Darn and Big Bry and Dennis. It had it all for me. Um, mm. And we all, you know, it was a good group of that squad. We all live locally, you know, with yeah, Lossie, with the Caribbean boys, we had Robbo and all those, we all lived locally in the town. So, you know, we, we socialized together. We, I mean, we went to go and play snooker together. We, we went for a beer, we went for a beer together. And that mm. was all instrumental for me in, in that promotion season. Yeah. You know, we built up that camaraderie, you know. Who was best at snooker? We used to play in a little club across from the flats where we used to love. And, and used to be was that right in the centre of town? Ah, uh, we used to actually live on Island Green, the, the, a flat. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Mitre, the pub, the Mitre. Oh, the Mitre? Right. Mm. Mitre, eh, it's a bit of a flashback. So uh, we used to have the old mm-hmm. beers in there and that, you know. <laughs> But there's a snook club right next to it, and these old, old guys on there used to hate us coming in because we were probably a bit loud and probably a bit of a gentleman's club. But, yeah. um, nah.
0: You haven't answered the question, Sean?
4: Uh, <laughs> Aussie. Aussie fancied himself of a snooker player. Yeah. Aussie. Aye.
0: So, from your time at Rexon, who was the most skillful? Trons, yeah, Lee Trons. yeah, fair enough. Who yep. was the worst dressed? Oh, good. say trans again, please. Say Darren
1: Ferguson, it. say Darren Ferguson.
4: Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Gibbo, yeah, yeah. Oh, Horrible. god, I, I sometimes forget about Gibbo. Mm, what, what little player he was on his day, he was, uh, it was it was his first season, he was a be player. He tried, he tried with a clobber, but no, not having it. Nah. Where did he come from? you remember? I think it was, he, he was, was he a Flynn signing? I'm not 100% sure. I, I know he was, I don't, I don't think it was a Rex or something like that, but I, love, I think he's from yeah, in the North Wales
0: area
2: somewhere. Mm-hmm. I
4: remember we went on the play for Stafford,
0: and I always remember every now and again he'd, he'd have a Stormer. But mm. yeah, I know, Kibble's no, one of those, uh, those players, from that era, you sometimes yep. you sometimes overlook. Bypass. Okay, that actually leads us quite nicely onto our next question. Who was the most underrated? The player didn't really get applauded for what they did. You can say
1: yourself. I, th- I thought about myself there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Do it. So,
4: I know. It's either me or probably... I mean, was, was Stephen Aussie underrated? Ozzy, oh. Have... Almost... Yeah, I don't know.
0: I sort of, sort of think. I don't know. I mean, Ozzy... Only... From what I remember of Ozzy, just being a fan or being someone who was, like, trying to report on the game, was he either had the Stormer already he had the Stinker. Mm. <laughs> so, he never really had that, that happy medium. Mm. I might be wrong on there. I don't know what the players thought, but sometimes he was just... You could always tell from his first touch. If he had a really good first touch, I'm thinking Ozzy's going to have a great game here. Mm. And if if he spooned it, thinking oh this might be
4: a mm. struggle. Aussie no, was a good good player, and he played for Ways or the other age groups. Mm. No, and twenty-one, of, yeah. He's capable of a goal as well. He had a goal on him. Well, you know what? I'll go. I'll go. You know what? I'll go myself. Why not? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's only one person who's
0: going to. Uh, who's going to sort of dispute that, and he's manager of Peterborough, so uh, do not matter about him, does it? Uh, right, okay, who was the biggest moaner? Uh, Fergie. <laughs> <laughs>
4: when you were punching his lights out? Uh, to be fair, he was mostly right. right. Well, if it's usually won the fight, he's wrong, but in terms back then, it was, <laughs> uh, it was usually right because... Um, you know, coming to football he's he's he was yeah, it was decent and he, he knew the game. Is that because you just came from
0: a higher level and he knew how it had to be played and how you had to train? I think I
4: think so. He came from United and he's obviously been about that in the nineties that obviously the era United and he just knew how things had to be done and after coming down a couple of levels and yeah, he, he just he tried to install a bit of that in us and I can't play you know I'm sure he's probably bad being who he is I'm sure he put probably stills a, a few things yeah so it's just yeah maybe he knew what he was talking about There's no doubt about that
0: right last question who was the tightest
4: who wouldn't pay for a round oh we had a couple actually really good nights a lot of good nights ah uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, let me see. I'm just trying to think when we we went for a walk and went for a beer. Who who would all go with us? I'm going to say Andy Morrell. No, Andy was okay. Oh wow! Andy, was oh, okay. Andy Morrell
0: wouldn't say himself. Andy was no, I think Andy was okay. I'm just trying to think.
1: He is now. He's now stroking his chin, listening mm. to this. At he doesn't mom.
0: know why his ears are uh, pricking up. <laughs> oh,
4: but well, they are a little text or a tweet as I speak here. Um <laughs> oh, can't I remember. I can't I remember. Let me see. Can't remember. You know what? Maybe Big Dan. Alright. Oh, not often not often they would come for a beer night. Well, you know, anyway, they, they're all very odd time. I'll go with Big Dan. Caribbean. I like that. They were clever, they were clever with their money. Mm. I mean,
0: the car they drove, which they all piled into, it wasn't yeah. a classic, was it? Exactly,
4: big. It was a, I was like, "Put up a Nissan, was a Nissan or something." Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: it was a white Nissan. Yeah, yeah. Dan always driving. Yeah, uh, Sam always in the back. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think uh, Carlos always had the front seat. Tunes blasting. Yeah, a
4: whole, yeah, yeah, big deal for me.
0: The other thing about that was, I don't know if you ever played with a guy called Emad. No. EMAD and, I think he might have been a little bit before your time. Yeah. But EMAD, when EMAD came, they all piled into EMAD's car because I think it probably saved Dan a bit of fuel.
4: Yeah. And they then know. they
0: all did the same stuff. Yeah. Right, Daniel, Yeah.
1: <laughs> Obviously, we've gone over the goal, the goal, we've gone over the promotion scene, highs and lows. You know, mainly being out there I was just coming back to what you said earlier that you wish you'd you'd had the chance to stay at Rex longer because you took to not just the club mm. but the area. And kind, of, I just wanted to dig a bit more into that because obviously we've got these new owners coming in and they keep on presenting the whole thing of yes, we're investing in the club, but we're investing in the community. Yeah. So I just I just wanted to draw a sort of similar sort of parallel. To your experience in how how Wrexham as a town as a community um, took to you and how you took to it was it just was it just did you feel it was just the right place for you at the right time you immersed yourself in the area you immersed yourself in the in the nightlife and everything just just kind of came as like a neat little package.
4: I think so. I just I just straight away I was just I I wanted to move down as quickly as I could. I was still in digs in Manchester anyway, so I thought, you no, know, I'll make the move down and oh, i had to get out of my digs anyway. But um that was it. I just I found Wrexham people probably very similar to Irish people where I'm from, dairy people, I kinda had that same kind of banter, Um yeah. and that was it. I was living locally. And I was on my own, and I just I just found that people warm, and I just got on there from there on in. And like I says, if we ever did go out socially together, or a bit of golf or whatever, and or but um, or we had a beer, yeah. People just I just find people warm towards me, and and that was it really, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of you've you're obviously aware of the the. The chaos, not chaos, the uh, the madness surrounding the club at the moment. Yeah, fourteen or well, fourteenth season in non-league.
4: Mm.
1: You know, you know how much this club means to the fans and the yeah. area, and you know, even beyond to wider extent. Yeah, what, what what's your your take on it? What what do you what do you envisage the season will will hold? Um,
4: well, just kind of blown away and just probably like everyone else, just amazed by the whole, the whole takeover. Why Wrexham? You know, why, you know, there's so many good, you know, other clubs as well, community clubs and well-run clubs. And, you know, I do that on Wrexham, but, um, you know, I, it's it's fantastic because I know the club suffered for so long, and the fans deserve. They deserve to be up to the divisions. The club, you know, they deserve to be up to the divisions, and hopefully, I, I for this year, I, 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 you know, I don't want to, you know I mean. I don't see anything. I mean, last year it was close, you know. It just fell fell at the final hurdle, the North County game just killed us. But I think. I don't see anything else on promotion this year. I think he's would have made good signings. They've obviously shown that they're going to spend and do, and they've obviously brought people in as well. Um, you know, the hierarchy of the club as well. They're putting people in position, and they mean business, and they've got the money to back it, and they've made good signings. So I don't, I don't see anything else. It's got to be promotion this year, I really. do, You know.
1: That's that, music
4: to our ears.
1: Wow. that be it'll be like that that day, what, five nil versus Cambridge, wouldn't it? Um Yeah. With,
4: remember, I that game yeah, It was just yeah, free, plenty, ball, wasn't
1: it? Plenty of pictures of you and Big Bry and a few others with the goat we're going up flag and the uh, Picture champagne. you with the with the champagne cork flying yeah. everywhere. What was what was your overriding memory that day? Because it's I know it's such a long time ago now. Even my sort of memories are hazy of it. Um, but, but what was your overriding thought and feeling? I mean, you know, promotion was secured and done in such a style.
4: I don't remember a lot of the game to be totally honest. Um, I just remember being up on the stand and overlooking the crowd and the pitch. And then I remember the fans been on on the pitch. And I mean, I remember the dressing room and the whole authority of promotion. And um, great, it was a, a great feeling. I remember that so well, great feeling. Um, like I said before, it's off often, you know, not many players can say they've actually been promoted. So mm. it's definitely one of the highlights of my career as a way. you know.
1: Did you ever think in your wildest dreams you'd be part of the last promotion winning team at Wrexham Football Club? <laughs>
4: Never I thought, you know, I know it's difficult going down and it does take it you know, it, it's it's a it's a tough it's like all then any division you do you suffer that period where you know it's a bit of rebuilding and and so on. It's never straightforward and it definitely has been for Wrexham, you know, it's just you I mean when I heard people saying over the years they come, you know, classic Wrexham, classic Wrexham get so close and fought <laughs> the final hurdle, but um no, that definitely this, this is going this be our year. I definitely have a feeling this is our year, you
1: know. Well, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, the yeah. only other thing for me, I was just going to say, just, just I know we sort of mentioned it before we started recording, just to give the sort of listeners an idea of what you're up to now. I think you said you've been a postman for 13 14 years and you recently got back into football, so give us a rundown over, over that.
4: Yeah, uh, well, I've been up uh, since I retired, I retired around 29, 30. I became a postman. Yeah, I've actually, have actually stopped. I fell in love with the game. I was away from the game for maybe you know, three or four years. Um, just kind of lost that hunger toward the end of my career. Became postman, which I still am. I started coaching about six years ago, and I just came through the A license this year as well. So that was, um, I was, you know, delighted with that. And I'm coaching here at my hometown club now at Derry City. You know, I take the 19 days group here. Yeah. And it's great. It's a great platform for me to coach and get better. I'm surrounded by good coaches. Um, And I just love being on the other side of the game. I love the learning and as well. I just, the biggest thing is just being, I mean, being in the dressing room, having that, you know, being in a white football again in the dressing room and having that crack with the lads because it's all I ever knew. You know, I was a city from... 11 yeah 12 years of age i was going to manchester and i had been right through until i mean I was it Wrexham until i was 23 or 4 came home and played you no know, one ireland until I was 29 so it's all I ever now so we'll be back in and about it again you know football is just it's fantastic you know it's great and it's, i'm just discovering you know you no, know, being on the other side, how you know it's just very, it's for falling again, you know. Yeah. So
0: that's. About. Did you mention your kids are doing it now, Sean?
4: Yeah, well, that was the thing. I mean, I actually came away from the game for a few years. Um, I, ha- I knew if I had a little boy that if he showed any kind of interest in it, I think that was would probably get me back in the game. So I would buy. A, I started off coaching his uh, little team. Kind of came full circle because he's played for a club called Don Bosco's, which was my boys' club, which I played with before I went to Manchester. So I went. They've been on to me about coaching, coming down, and taking the kids, and I was there most evenings anyway. I think that's usually the road most coaches go down, or most, you know what I mean. So I was there most evenings anyway, taking Sean to training, and I just that was I started from there. Uh, I think I spent three. These seasons here, taking the juniors, then um, I went on with my B licence and things just started from there. You know, and I got offered the job here at Derry, which is is great because it's full time now here at Derry as well. So, well, first team's full time. The academy we train um, most evenings, weeknight evenings, you know, we play at the weekend. So, um, you know, things are going really well on that end, you know. So, I've got my A licence over me now and we'll see how it goes, you know, this we'll see how it goes from here.
0: So, Sean Holmes has told us there uh, what it's like to get promoted, but who will get promoted this season? We've asked the resident BT sport expert, Adam Virgo, his thoughts. He's, Adam, as we know, watches... National League games up and down the country has a good idea of the runners and riders and we've asked him the teams to watch and the players to watch and of course the burning question, why he hates
5: Wrexham FC so much To be honest, it's the most commonly asked thing, myself and Adam (laughs) um, I hate Hartlepool, Notts County, Wrexham um, Stockport's another one it, I don't know to be honest I, I have no idea I think any form of criticism against a club is seen as a sign of hate rather than just an opinion um, that goes against teams I mean t- to be perfectly honest I, I don't hate any club I, I really honestly I really don't and you know Hartlepool last season um, after the final that what even walking to my car you know the, the abuse that you get they, they think I really care. And I, and I don't, to be honest. It's not going to affect my day-to-day life, whether Wrexham win the league this season or if Wrexham get relegated. It, it will not change a single thing in my day-to-day life. Um, I'm paid to give an opinion for for BT. Um, I, I try and do the best job that I can. And if people don't like my opinion or think I talk rubbish or anything else, I, I can accept that. That's absolutely fine. But I can categorically say that Adam Somerton and myself do not hate any side in the National League, and I was going as far as anyone at BT. Um, I remember Jeff Selling tweeting us at the start of the season. Funny enough, when um, you, not sure I should mention this, you lost the maiden head at, at the first game on BT. Oh, see, you brought it up. I you know, bloody hate Rex. You do, I. So I have just got to get a knife in now, and um, and he said something like, uh, you know, the lack of professionalism that we there was only one, you know, there were two teams playing, and we, we were supposedly talking about Rex and far too much, and I, and I, that that annoyed me because I thought that was unprofessional for him to tweet that and um, and you know, he'll never have said that to any Sky commentators. Uh, so little things like that have annoyed me. But for, for Wrexham, I've, I've always won there. I've never lost. So, you know, in terms of a, it being a, a bogey ground team for me, it's never been. Um, I must admit, if you want me to be honest, I've found them hard to watch over the last few years in terms of style of play, um, the way that they have played. I wouldn't say he's been appealing on the eye. When we get the fixtures that come out and we get a Wrexham game, I don't, I never used to really think, oh wow, whoopee, here we go, we've got good old Wrexham, free flowing Wrexham. It was always, okay, it's going to be quite a hard watch, um, but fingers crossed for this season, um, we're going to see something slightly different.
0: Yeah, so we, I mean, we hope so as well. I mean, we, we sort of understand what, where you're coming from. It's not been an easy sell, really, has it over the last over the last couple of years? But. I think it's gonna as I said at the start, I think it's gonna be a very, very interesting league um I mean, I was actually writing Chesterfield out of it until a couple of days ago, and they've come out with a with a with a storming signing so I mean, if we had to sort of say who you think is really gonna be if there's two levels isn't there who's who's gonna be fighting for the championship, who's going to be fighting for that one place and then who's going to be getting in the playoffs and sort of sneaking in. So if we take it to, to first, do you think there's like three or four clubs who've got a realistic chance and do yeah, you think I, any I, of them are falling away?
5: Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I mean, Adam Somerton read a great stat to me um, towards the back end of last season. Is that the team that go and win the league the following season tend to finish 12th, 13th in the league the season before. It, there's never really been a team like Torquay that finished second, finished strong, re-signed over the summer, and then they look to be favourites again. I always find with the National League how the off-season squads come back completely different, Um, where the year that Sutton won it last year, they had a pretty settled squad from the season before, and Donovan Wilson coming in, um, Isaac Alafe, key signings that kind of helped with the core of the squad that Matt had already. Um, really, really helped them and surprised a lot of people because they wouldn't have expected them to win the league. I had Notts County to win the league. So I think it's very, very difficult to predict this league because it can be very dangerous because Lincoln finished 10th and they ended up winning the league. I remember Macclesfield not finishing in the playoffs. They went and won the league the next season. Sutton finished lowly down. So Leighton Orient, I remember talking to the late Justin Edinburgh when, when they played Macclesfield about three or four games ago. And he said to me, but then he goes, we're already preparing for next season already. And I'm looking at the players I want to bring in and they're kind of building a squad already. Um, so that may work in favours of the likes of Daryl McMahon that have kind of had more time to prepare for this offseason, where the where the playoff sides have gone into a lot more into um, the, the end of the season, sorry, and they've had less time to prepare. Um, I, I agree with you, Andy. I, 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 I felt Chesterfield was strong, um, but... Kabongo going there was for me it's a it's a signing i look at and i've i've noticed this been doing the national league for 8 years get you guaranteed goals with him at this level um and he, he could have easily moved into the EFL um you know Danny Rose, a player that you know could score goals at this level but i wouldn't have rested my whole um season on him to to find the back of the net and get chesterfield into that title winning position but i think Kabongo coming in i just think really puts the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit more. It's a real signal of intent from, from James. It's a real signal of intent from um, the options now he's got going in that final third. to come back from injury as well. Um, I, I, I do think, for me, it's three. I've got, I think it's Stockport, Wrexham and Chesterfield now.
0: Wow, so you're not putting Notch county in that. I know, I know. Um, I know their fans have been a, a little critical of their recruitment, but I'd still thought there was enough there, and you know, and the fan
5: base to carry them through. I, I just don't think they've got the goals in the final third. To be honest, I just I, you know, unless someone else comes in, you know, Carl's a, a solid player at this level, but I, I know he scored double figures last season, but he's just for me, he's just a little bit too inconsistent. He's not. You need service. But Callum Roberts coming back could feel like a new signing for them um, in terms of him being fit. But I think they've certainly got a squad for the playoffs. I, I don't disrupt that. Um, I think the managers learned a little bit more about the league from probably when he first came in. I think he tried to think that he could play free, free-flowing football and it, it just, he had to change his way a little bit. Um, but, you know, tactically, he will get used to the league a little bit more. Um but yeah, I, I agree with the, the recruitment. Um you know, Cameron Cummins is a good signing from Torquay, but there's, there's I don't really see the, the a collective load of signings and think, right, that that's a real signal intent. Of course, they're gonna to have to tend to win the league, of course. Um, but I, I just don't see them having enough to win this league.
0: And, and another one that quite interests me is Torquay, obviously so good last year. I I I I worry that they've lost quite a few players, and I'm I'm not sure of the quality they've replaced them with. Do you think it would be a struggle for them to replicate it this season?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm always really, really worried about sides. <laughs> Worries is the wrong word. You know, I am I know teams that have lost promotion finals and that one for them to lose was probably a bigger kick in the teeth than most teams would have um, had to stomach. Two disallowed goals, you know, the, the ecstasy of the goalkeeper scoring and then the penalty shootout. Um, it's a it's a hard one for Gary to take. But the only one thing I'll ever say about Gary Johnson is that they weren't expected to finish second last year and they weren't expected to go as well as they did. Um, I just think that, I agree with you, and I just think that the players that have been a lot, I think Whitfield's going to be a, a big loss for them. Um, of him going, I th- I th- I th- he's a quality player. Um, but I, I think when you look at the players that he's brought in, you're going to have to almost trust the manager to say, look, we can work with these players. I know what I'm doing. You know, they're going to take time to settle in. But, you know, Shearing came in a bit left field and no one really thought he would do well and he was outstanding at centre-half last year. Um, but I think if they can make a playoff, then I think Gary's done exceptionally well because he's taken the club from you know, National League South to the first year in the National League where they scored hundreds of goals, where they conceded hundreds of goals, then they seemed a little bit more solid this year. Um, but I just think that the quality that they have lost, um, I think it's going to be quite hard to replace, and I think they found it hard to replace as well.
0: No, I, I agree with that. Is there it, is it a dark horse, something that could come in fifth or sixth? I mean, I, I don't know, Eastley maybe, or someone, I don't know, even Barnett. I, someone who you think can can, can overachieve and, and sneak into a playoff place?
5: Yeah, I mean, I look at, you know, Bromley again this season. Um I think when Andy came in, I think everyone was quite surprised with the with the manager. I think Neil had he, I, mean, I remember one of Andy's early interviews, he was very much um under the impression that Neil, you know, the king's gone and I'm coming in now to completely. And I, I remember a full of his a few of his early quotes, and I thought, okay, I think I think the thing with Neil there, there was kind of the likes of Coulson and Bingham and players like that, Raymond who almost picked themselves and, and and Neil trusted them. And all of a sudden they weren't on the first on the team sheet. And I think Andy tried to change that quite quickly. I think Dagenham underachieved last year. Um, I know Daryl not signed too many in the club windows. So that almost means that, you know, he's probably quite happy with the squad that he's got. You know, McCallum needs to fire a lot more than what he did in his first season. We, we know he's good at this level. We know that he can score goals. But injury, you know, COVID last season with that squad as well. I remember it affected them a lot. Um, they were one of the teams that got affected by COVID. Um, mm. And I think that was trying to change the mentality of that football club. I think they've always quite felt sorry for themselves in many ways. Um, so I, I think Dagenham could be a dark horse for me if I had to put, you know, a small amount of money on an outsider to maybe do it. Um, you know, Eastleigh. you mentioned Eastleigh there, Um I think Ben does a great job. I think they've got a better identity about them now from when they first got into the National League. They, you know, very much marquee signings that came in on a lot of money and were they yeah, there for yeah. the right reasons or not? Um, but you know, he's, he's bringing in youngsters now. I'm I'm really interested to see how Ben House does this season. Because I know he had injuries last year. I'm a big a big fan of his. I think his all round game is is brilliant at this level. He's got he's a good finisher, um, good in the air. He's kind of um, you know a player that I would, so he could probably get into most national league sides, if not all national league sides. So, um, a lot will certainly rely on him. But yeah, if, if I had to maybe pick a dark horse, I'd, I'd maybe look at Dagenham this season to, to push into those playoffs.
0: No, to be honest, I agree with that. I think, um, I think, yeah, I think there's a good squad there. Um, what about the demoted uh sides, Adam? So, we got we got. Grimsby who look quite solid obviously they've got Pearson from us who we know's you know if injury permitting is reliable and then there's South End I'm not really sure what to make of them
5: yeah i mean with 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 Grimsby to start with i think that you know this is a different Grimsby from when they were in the national league before this is a different you know people will just maybe look at um Paul Hurst and think that you know, he's going to do that. He's going to kind of wave his wand. But I don't I don't look at these two relegated sides this year and think they can bounce back at the first time of asking. I, th- I think with, with if we talk about Grimsby first, um, as you mentioned, Sean's come back to the football club, Solid this level. You know, I, I always pick him out before BT games because he's, you know, he kind of, he's the only one who still uses dubbins on his boots, doesn't he? Kind of, he's the only one who still has a boot boy to clean his boots. Um, he's, he's just the old-fashioned centre-half you get what you get with him and um again I, I look at their signings and think there's, there's nothing there again that you think he stands out he stands out um to take them forward where you look at south end and they've probably just looked a bit more in like Murphy and Coulson to come back in but i the, the thing I worry about south end is that there's a lot of ba- I, I wonder how much baggage there is outside the football club that's kind of bringing brought down with them, if that makes sense, because it, people it's, look it's, at things on the yeah. pitch, but they've almost seemed to be an absolute mess off the field for a good 18 months with managers, finances, the ground, like everything. And I don't know how much, I mean, people just assume, you know, you've been through it yourself with Wrexham. It's like people always look at the the, the 11 or the, the, the squad or the manager. There is, you know, I've been in clubs like Bristol Rovers where if you look at the outside of the, what happens on the training field, the, the setup of the football club, where where the, you know, all these little things that fans may see as excuses where it does kind of just filter down and it does make a massive difference. And I just worry with South End that there's still a lot of baggage with them um, to be seen as real title contenders. But listen, there's experience there. You know, Phil's an experienced manager. Um, so I, I, I can't see, I, I don't look at the two relegated sides and think, right, they have got a lot of quite they've kept quite a few players from last season that have um, done well and don't forget people that they, they've been they've been used to losing and all of a sudden they've that you all of a sudden you've got to be used to winning again and that and that's not easy to turn around you know Bristol Rovers has done it um but it's it's not an easy thing to do to get to be relegated and all of a sudden go back up because I I think Adam Adam and I were talking about this the other day and um for me, it's probably one of the first times it, it just feels like a proper league this year. I don't know why. It just feels it's it's a strong league uh throughout um some solid sides, um, without the relegation. So teams will go again, like your Kings Lynns and your Weymouth and sides like that. And as you mentioned, your Barnets and your and your Dagenhams who who were poor last year, um, they could go again. So it, it's, it's it's always interesting this league. It, it fascinates me season after season and it, it surprises. It, I kind of feel that I don't get surprised, but, you know, the promotion final last year is a prime example that, you know, the football, you just never know what's, what is going to happen, but um, it, it's a real good one for me this year.
0: I was going to say that South End actually remind us of us when we came down. I mean, that is yeah. so many years ago, but it's sort of an experienced manager aside in a cycle of, of losing. Um, Suddenly the fans think that they're going to just turn it around and, and I know it's not, a tad, But that does actually lead us on to, to where you think, how you think we will do this season. Obviously there's been, we finally got a goal scorer or we hope that we've got the goal <laughs> scorer, which is something that we've needed for ages. But then I still, I personally still think we're still lacking in a couple of areas. I mean, midfield, I think we need yeah. at least one or two playmakers and an enforcer. I probably think we're probably a centre half short as well. But where where do you think Rex and Mark compared to where they were last season?
5: Yeah, I think they're you know forget about what's happened off the field and and everything else like that. But at the end of the day, your Yeovil, Easley, Knotts County game could either set you up nicely if you lose those first three. Then all of a sudden it's here we go again kind of thing. It's different to think like that in terms of um, of where they're at. You know the... You know the the club have, have sort of been like that. You know, playoff losing to Easton and down and up and down and up and you know that last game last season against um, against Dagenham. You've got better options going forwards than probably what you have done in the past. Um I'm you know if, if Mullin can't score goals, then there there must be like a a voodoo fix around Give the race course That If if he can't score, then blimey, I, I, I can't <clears> think. I you know. You, players that you've brought in before uh, I've looked at centre forwards and really thought just another one that's going to come there and, and do nothing and do nothing and do nothing but you know I just I like Hyde I just think he offers you something different in the final third I, injuries have cost him last season at, um, at Halifax he scored goals at Woking I he's got something about him. He's, he's got a, an edge to him, which I've heard about him and stuff. So, you know, I, I just think he, I think gives you better options within that final third. Um, with those I was going to
2: ask you about Hyde because I, I've been sort of increasingly thinking that he could be just as important as Mullin for us this season, hopefully, because a lot of the stuff we've been hearing of Cambridge is that Mullin does need someone next to him to lead the line with him, someone big as well. And, and, I can see them being our front two. Is that what you think will happen?
5: Yeah, I, 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 I get the signing. And that's probably the thing that you look at with, with Jake is I get it. It's it's not one that I looked at and thought he's out of his depth or that's that's not in good. To win the league, you need a squad. And I, I haven't felt Rexham for a little while now has had a squad to really be competitive. You look at Stockport. They've got a squad. Chesterfield have got a squad of players that are going to take you forwards. Um, and for me, I, I just look at Wrexham this season now. Um, and you know, as, as Andy said, that there are one or two positions. As you mentioned that the centre half position again probably needs to be added into those areas. Um, but the, the manager's got to, you know, the manager's going to be under pressure straight away. You know, he comes in with a reputation of building football clubs not managed at this level before we've seen managers with good pedigrees struggle at this level because it's physical. um, It is competitive. I think for the first time in a long time, I know we're kind of starting later in August, but there's not that fixture pile up in August that the national league always has like this 38 game season, 28 of them are in August. You know what I mean? It's just literally (laughs) game after game, after game, after game where I think this is kind of Saturday, Tuesday, and it's a little bit more spaced out. So, I think it just gives players and squads a little bit more time to um, find their way a little bit and kind of work a little bit more on the training field in between games. Um, but you it, know, it, it, it's a really, really exciting time for, for us as as pundits in the in the in in the league. It, it's one of those. I think it's the football needs to do the talking now because there's been so much commotion about the the owners around it, you know, coming in and uh, it almost players now and the manager become the most important things. They've kind of had their little bit in the spotlight, and, you know, they're going to have to step aside to, to let the manager manage and let the, the fans engage with the players and everything. Um, But as I know, reps fans that are wanting success and this is not a season to build for two years time or a year's time. It, it's kind of like now and the mentality of that football club has to change very, very quickly. I think I've always felt there's a core, fans that have believed that um, they don't want second best anymore. You know, they don't want these kind of close call playoffs areas and stuff like that. The club has been through a lot in terms of the fans owning the club and, and finances have been very, very difficult. The year that Dean Saunders, uh, when he got into the, I think it was a record points total and still didn't get promoted. Um, So, But I'm just really, really excited to see how they do this year. Because as as I said at the start of this podcast, I I found them difficult to watch um, under Dean. I I really did. And I I also think, I think I may have said it to you, Andy, I think even win, lose or draw last season, I I couldn't have seen him staying in charge. I almost felt the minute those new owners were coming in, he was on borrowed time. And you've seen with Jim Gannon at Stockport, you know, these these owners, as big as they are in Hollywood and, you know, the, the TikTok adverts and everything they do, they're businessmen at the end of the day and they want to go into those. And that's why I respect Salford because they they weren't mucking around under Gary Neville and the, they say, look, this is what's going to happen. We're going to bring in this manager. He's going to get us promoted and then we're going to leave the National League because it's a horrible league to get out of, especially with only the two up. It's a horrible league to get out of and it's a real competitive league as well. Um, but as I say, I, at the minute, I think the squad's good, but I, I do think there's certain areas that, that Phil maybe will certainly have to look into. But, um, but yeah, certainly exciting, exciting times ahead.
0: I mean, from a BT Sport point of view, if, say, Wrexham did start to go on a run, say that Ryan Reynolds and Michael started showing up for games, would would you sort of turn your attention more towards that? Or are you still sort of in the sort of mansion that you have to be fair, you have to show everyone at, at, at certain times?
5: Yeah, I, I think... The difference is with this season, which I'm going to say probably for a lot of other seasons, is that we've only had 30 games to work with in seasons gone by. We've now got 55 this season. So it gives us a lot more leeway to because it, it, it's right for us to show sides in the leagues. And that's why we try and almost offer the first 12 games to get everybody on the telly. And to be at the end of the day, we haven't got 100 games to work with. So you know you've got and listen and Mar at the end of the day Mara side that are going to be spoken about and you know if, if the owners do turn up but the, the the problem is with the national league fixture settings and I'll say this is that we always have to work around the Premier League with what BT offer so sometimes we've chosen games that are kind of six weeks in advance and when we show them it almost means nothing sometimes because we've had to pick the games a lot earlier we don't we're not like the Premier League, where they get a lot closer to the times, and that's why we could pick our better games last year because because um, there was no relegation. We could and we could leave it a lot later, and you know really concentrate on the top of the league. Really, um, but if you're doing well in the league, of course you're going to be. I think Hartlepool nine ten times last season, and if you get a good fixture running and things. But we, we, we I mean, listen, we do try and spread the message of um, trying to get everybody on TV. But of course, you know, Man City's and your Liverpools. For, for the Premier League, get their biggest viewing figures. Hence, why Man- Manchester United get an FA Cup tie away at Reading or something will still make it on the because t- everyone will watch it. It's a viewing figure thing as well. So, um, I know fans moan that we kind of pick the wrong games and you've got to travel up there and travel up there. It's 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 not easy to to do. I and mean, listen, we don't, we don't do it on purpose to go against the sides we hate supposedly and um, send the fans up to uh, up to Hartlepool on a Tuesday night. Um, but then. <laughs> I hear fans that have got, you know, Hartlepool have gone up into League Two and they're not on the telly. You know, they've done all the fixtures for um, League Two and, you know, there's only a couple that are on there. So I do hope that we try and offer a lot more in terms of TV for, for teams at this level. I think we try and give a, a decent production um, of what we can offer. And you know you've got to remember, it's still the fifth tier of English football and we're showing 55 games, which I think at this level is is, is very, very good
0: um just one thing on the 55 games which i i i'll admit i didn't realize i mean i've got bt sports um yeah. so that is going to be a saturday game are you going to be looking at midweek games or are you going to yeah. be looking to something to move to a monday
5: is that i i think i think what they, i think what bt are looking at this season is definitely a saturday game at 5:20 that that that's kind of like the spot that we've been given um because i think got feeling bt have got 7:45 so we kind of have to work around the premier league but I think what we're looking for this season is to try and get games. Listen, there's so much football on. It's very hard to always work around fixtures and try and work around who's playing where. But I think when we get games that not many other games are on, we get really, really good viewing figures, whether it's Wrexham or Dagenham or people. So, you know, people do watch non-league football. We, we do get, I mean, you don't have to look at, you know, the Colavan goal. Um, you know, it's over 1.78 million views on it. So we do get, decent viewing figures. So I think it's going to probably, I think the first 12 are already set out as it is. And then kind of October onwards, it's going to kind of be Saturday, midweek, Saturday, midweek, Saturday, midweek. I don't think it'll ever be Saturday, Sunday. um, Okay. Because there's so much on Sunday. So there there will be midweek games, um, but I don't think we're going to get allocated a stock. So we have Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday. So it's either going to be a Monday or a Thursday or maybe a Friday night game sometimes.
0: Cool, that's good.
5: Um, last question from me
0: is who do you? I mean, we've talked about who you think might go for the for the title. Who do you think might be in and around the playoffs? Who do you think is a player to watch?
5: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, you you look at your usuals, your Shamangas, your Cheeks, um, and, and players like that, and you know Mullins. Um, but, I mean, if you're looking at um, Wrexham and I'm really, you know, young again for you this season. I, I, I really liked him last year. I thought he he progressed on really, really well. Um, I like the way that Dean played in, you know, in certain parts of his game. I think it improved. I think Davies as well for you was another player um, that came on leaps and bounds um, when they've sometimes played in a more advanced position. Jude Arthurs at Bromley. I'm, I'm trying to look at younger players that are going to kind yeah. of come in and and take the ground running. Um, then I look at players like Louis Dennis has gone back to Bromley. You know, the, the players that have kind of shown qualities at this level before, gone into the into the football league and, you know, for one reason or another, have come back down. Lemon hay Evans is another one I've always been a big fan of in terms of his play and his quality. Callum Roberts, I've already mentioned, um, you know, big, big loss for, for Notts County last year. Shown these qualities when he came in towards the back end of... Um, of a uh, season before when, when he signed, um, so yeah, so they're, they're the players that I can think of that you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing. I, I love seeing the youngsters coming through, you know, your Sunny Carries and players like that. That kind of because they're they they are in abundance at this level. It's just been given the opportunity and the exposure for them to go on to the football league. You know, Harry Taylor was. Um, Jack Taylor, sorry, was another one at Barnett who I, I was a massive fan of and, you know, he's gone to Peterborough and, and done excellently well. So, that you know, there are good young players at this level, but the likes of Jude Arthurs, um, George Saunders at Dagenham, again, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, this year. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're the players that I can think of um, to, to, to look out for this year.
3: Yeah, you said something earlier, which I completely agree with in terms of managers, which is that it's actually really difficult for a manager to come from the Football League and to get a team promoted in the National League. But it's always struck me as quite odd. Why, why is it, do you think, that it is so difficult for a manager to do that?
5: I, I, I think the standard now of the National League it is so much, and even the sides that are getting promoted from North and South are a lot stronger going into the National League. So the league becomes very, very competitive on all levels. And then you always have those proper teams that we've spoken about that should have done better than what they did last season um, in terms of your Dagenhams um, and teams like that. I, I I, think teams get quite surprised with the quality that's actually at this level, the quality of player, the quality of team that is it's, it's very, very difficult for managers to come in and... And sort of play um, a decent pattern of football to try and please the fans because they are ex- they are expected to win um, on a regular basis, and I and I do think the two up only adds to the pressure as well um, in, in that regards. Um, but I, I just think the quality of the league is is very very competitive, and I don't really when I look to the playoffs of League Two last season, I looked to the playoffs in the National League, and I looked at the clubs apart from Bolton and Trammere. I felt there were bigger clubs in the National League. If you look at the top seven compared to their top seven, um, you know, some. You know, if you look at last year, Hartlepool Football League side, Stockport Football League side, Notts County, Torquay, you know, yourselves weren't even in there. You know, there, there are big, big teams now in this league. And I think the level now from National League into League Two has become a lot closer. And I, I did an interview with uh, Matt Badcock at the non-league paper the other day. And I said, like, I know the academy side's get into the, the Johnston Payne, as I called it, or the Papa John's, what, what they call it now. So I think if National League sides were given an opportunity in that competition, I think we would fare. I think we'd fare pretty well. And I, I know it's not a competition that they would need, but if we were given an opportunity, I, I, I think we could hold our own. And when we play, say, we when the National League play uh, League Two sides in the FA Cup and they win, I don't really see that as an upset anymore. I, I see that the, the, the teams are just as competitive. So I think the level of when. Uh, Football League sides drop down into the National League, I think there are better sides. So I, I generally think that um, if you look at Southend and Grimsby, I, I already think there are four or five better sides than them already. And I think that the sides that drop down, I, I just don't ever see sides dropping down, especially at uh, League Two level. Um that are going to go again and think, here we go, we're going to be really, really strong. But a manager makes a massive difference. And, you know, Daryl Clark was one at Bristol uh, Rovers who made a huge difference because he kind of signed the right players to to hit the ground running um, and it worked for them.
3: Yeah, it's certainly a difficult job, isn't it? And um, the other thing was, um, just wondering if you think there's a danger that Wrexham have essentially got a massive target on our backs this season because of the Hollywood takeover, because of all the publicity surrounding the club.
5: Oh, 100%. 100%. There there will be jealousy from fans. There'll be jealousy from managers that see Phil's transfer budget. Um, They they will now be... They they will be a target for a lot of teams now this season. And for players as well, of course. Because what happens is that if you play well against them and you're doing well, they may sign you. So everybody's game is going to rise now. Everyone will want to be part of this journey with Wrexham. Um, it's a huge huge football club the following as we see the the fans the the, the crowds that they get um, it's a massive club and you've got to remember we've mentioned the south end of everything that's gone round about them Wrexham have been through they've kind of gone like that more than that so you know they've been on a backward spiral for a few seasons I know they've made the playoffs a few times but even when they've made the playoffs I never felt they've had a strong enough squad to go into League 2 and then romp it up to League 1 I just think that They've always kind of, I, I just just seem to go to just to get in um, and not really play well, but just do enough. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a great point that, that they will be targets for managers. I guarantee Daryl McMahon would have enjoyed that victory last season. I guarantee you that because that certainly affected the documentary that's being made and everything else like that. Do you know what I mean? So there will be it's the, the sinister side of football. You know, it's a competitive area it's it's a huge business now for everybody the the rewards are absolutely massive so yeah and i think the, these players now have got to go into the mentality that they, they've got to be on their a game because you know the yeovil game i look at easley notts county south End, tough tough games um and we've seen with you know Hartlepool, few seasons to get back with with kind of rebuilding and rebuilding so um there's no guarantee in this league and i think that's the the bugger about this league. You know, you look at Man City this season, you think, right, they're going to go again. They'll be fine. You, you kind of look in the championship as well. But this league, for some reason, it, it's, it's a right bugger to get out of. And it's, it's a, I, I think it's the hardest league to get out of, in my opinion. Um, with the, only the two up, the rewards getting into the football league is absolutely huge. Um, and then to get, to miss out on it and then go again, it, it's always a, a big pill to swallow with difficulty with it kind of going again. You know, you imagine Wrexham losing the playoff again this season and then have to go again. It's whew, the money that's going to go in, the players that they're going to sign, um, uh, the frustration of the fans thinking it's going to happen. So um, it, this, this this is a, a one of the biggest seasons I can remember for Wrexham in a, in a long, long time.
2: Adam, you, you were kind enough earlier to tell us that you know, you think it's between us, Chesterfield and Stockport. Just lastly, Nelia Colours to the Mast. If you had to put your house on it, who's who's going up as champions this season?
5: I've done this eight years now and I've got it right once. So <laughs> I said I said, I said Orient. Don't say us then. So I've said it once and, and I was late in Orient. I've got promoted teams. Um, I think if I yeah, if I had to bet, if I if I had to, it, as I said before, it is literally for me. It's between Stockport, Chesterfield, and yourselves in Wrexham. I think I've said Chesterfield before, and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say them again. I, I I think Chesterfield have. I think as as Andy said at the start, the, the sign of Shrimanker for me has changed a lot of things because. Mm. I can't, I mean, unless he has a, a bad injury or something, which I'm not saying, I'm hope he. i just saying, if he has it, then that's different. But yeah. the momentum that James brought up last season, the run that they had, and mm-hmm. imagine if they had a sub-goalie on the bench against Notts County, they might have been a football league side, you know. So um, mm-hmm. I I just think the squad that they've got, the options they've got in the final thirds, um, bringing in Jeff King as well, right back up. I'm a big fan of his. Scott Loach going in goal. There's a real nucleus of a real squad there to go and 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 really title um, challenge for the league, and then that, so yeah. So if I had to, but yeah. well, that doesn't mean I hate Wrexham because I haven't picked you this season. <laughs> no, oh, we understand. I'm not saying that to no. uh, to get off to a bad start. But um, if yeah, Adam Chesterfield Virgo. Yeah, I'll um I'll uh I'll, I'll say Chesterfield if I have to, but it's between those three. But yeah. it'll probably be someone else like Dagenham or something.
2: <laughs> well, while we're rec- as we're recording this, I do think that Stockport and Chesterfield have got stronger squads than us at the moment. I mean, obviously, I think Well, Phil Parkinson said a week or two ago that we needed five, he thought we needed four or five new players. Since that, we've signed one. Hmm. So you've got to think that there's a few more coming through the door in the next
5: week or so. Um, so we'll see. Maybe Maybe we'll come back to you then. I think so, yeah. I think the way that the National League works in terms of the signings and stuff, I think the thing with Phil is and, and i and I agree with him what he's you've got to be careful you sign because I said it before, you see easily that the teams at Forest green've mm. you got to bring in the right mentality and you've got to bring in the right player for the football club and if it takes a little bit longer for it to happen, then so be it rather than going out and panic buying people, you know Paul Mullin comes on the desk pff, straight away yeah that's that's a no brainer um but i I do think that. You Know there's still good enough players there from last season to, to get yourself going. It's a long, long, hard season. Um, and I and I agree with you, Reese. I just think that timing is everything. You know, the, the football league season started, you know, they they may wait to look out to get one or two who are maybe not playing, you know. So there's there's still a long way to go in terms of who to come in. But if you're talking to me today on the 12th of August, then Chesterfield for me have got the strongest squad. But come the 31st of August. And Wrexham aside five quality players, then all of a sudden the momentum changes um, in terms of that. But right now at this moment, for me, Chesterfield have got the best squad to go and win this league. But as we know, Wrexham have got, you know, new aspirations and new ideas. And I, as I said to Matt Badcock the other day when I was doing my season preview, this, this is not their finished squad. They're going to sign more players. It's just trying to find the right players to come in and hit the ground running because they need players to come into this tip. They don't need squad, they need Eleven, you know the, the ones to come into the eleven to hit the ground running. Um, that's going to be the most important thing for them.
2: Thanks again to Adam Virgo for his time this week. Uh, no shiny heroes this week as we've got a double guest special. And also, it's the return, of course, of the Prediction League. This is the last episode before the first game of the season, which has obviously changed now, as we all know. It's no longer that uh, Yeovil home game we were all looking forward to, a sellout, but we'll be away at Solihull. Still no idea if we'll have away fans. Fingers crossed. We will get some more clarity on that this week. But Prediction League, Andy, remind us of the rules.
0: So the rules are Liam has to lose. That's probably one of the main rules. Mm. Um, So what you get is you get three points if you get the the score dead on, one point if you get the
2: result right. Nothing for Liam's answers. Good answer. I think, you know, this year, now we've got a sponsor. Can we have a prize as well as a forfeit? Because I won. I feel like I missed out.
0: What, you think they're going to do a a fat ball delivery all the way to Swansea?
2: (laughs) No, but I will be up in Wrexham quite regularly, so I'll be there to to uh, to watch. So, yeah, if you if you're listening, Rich, which you should be really, um, then you know, let me know what what what's doable because you know we'll, I'm going to win, so you may as well do it now. But, okay, fine, Andy, who's first?
3: Um, Liam, you go first, please. Well, I'm going to perhaps be controversial because I don't see us hitting the ground running as things stand at the moment. Still think we're a little way off. So, not going for a defeat, but I'm going to go for a, a one-all draw at Solihull.
0: Tim, you're next up.
3: Um, we're usually
1: lousy at Solihull, so I think, we're due a, uh, I think we're due a decent result, so I'm going to go 2-0. Mm.
0: I'll go next. And I'm sort of edging towards Liam. I still think with Brisley injured, we're going to be a bit short defensively. Um, I just wonder if our attacking options will, will be enough to carry us through. You know what, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory.
2: at the rear. How times have changed. I'm going to be the most positive person here. I think wow. that, as discussed, we're definitely going to be a bit shaky at the back, um, which is concerning, but hopefully by Saturday we can have ironed that out and you know, at least we'll have French and Lennon playing at the back. Not French and Lennon, French and Hayden and maybe Lennon will be fit, who knows. I think in attack, from what I've seen, we look really good. So I'm going to go for 3-1 away win. 3-1. We may let in more than that, but I think we're going to hit the ground running up front. Wow. And that's it. We'll see next week who the uh, victor is. Good luck, everyone, in your attempts to get tickets for Hill away this week. I think it's going to be a bit of a scramble. Uh, Well done to all of you who do manage it. But uh, for us this week... And uh, that's all. Goodbye. See you later.
3: Bye. Up
2: the reds.